Right now, it's Barry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. I'm presuming that when you think about your worst sins, that you would rather not think about your worst sins because it's so painful. Mm -hmm. I think we get this idea inside our hearts that, man, my worst sins are the worst ever. I do. I feel like if you knew the worst about me, you wouldn't want to listen to Perry and Shauna Mornings. You would want to listen to Shauna Mornings. <laughs> but then you'd find out the worst things about me, and then you wouldn't want to listen anymore. Yeah. I also think we condemn ourselves about feeling bad about our sins. Like, I'm forgiven. I shouldn't feel bad. I shouldn't feel shame anymore. I think sometimes other Christians put that on us. You're forgiven, bro. You should just be hopscotching and high-fiving every single day. Which only compounds the guilt, right? And the negative feelings. Mm -hmm. I think the reality is closer to this. I know I'm forgiven and I know I'm loved, but man, it really hurts to think about my worst sins. Now, I'm not going to sit up here and dwell on them, but I'm also not ever going to forget But thank you, Jesus, for your grace, and thank you that everything that has ever happened in my life had to have happened to make me who I am. I think all that is closer to reality, at least in my experience. Mm -hmm. Paul, the great apostle, the great messenger of Jesus, is such a great example of this. Paul knew the love of Christ like very few. He knew he was forgiven, but he also never forgot his worst sins. In fact, he talks about them a lot. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul goes through a list of the people Jesus appeared to after the resurrection, to Peter, to the 12 apostles, then to 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Then he appeared to James, his half-brother. And then he says this, And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Abnormally born in the original, it's one word. It's this painful, excruciating word. It means a stillborn child or a miscarried child or even an abortion. Last of all, he appeared to me an abortion, a stillbirth, a miscarriage. I know it's hard to hear. You can almost feel the loathing or sadness in Paul when he refers to his past. 99% of the other people Jesus appeared to were essentially all in. They were already followers of Jesus. But Paul, Paul hated Christians. He hated Jesus. He approved of the stoning of Stephen. He violently went after Christians. He was like the people who cried crucify. He was like the religious leaders who connived with Rome to put him to death. He was like the Roman soldiers driving the nails through his hands. And last of all, he appeared to me as to an abortion. I was dead in my sins, but Jesus raised me. Jesus forgave me. I love Jesus so much. You ever wonder what drove Paul, what pushed him to plant the gospel in the Roman Empire? I think it was the power of being forgiven mm. of such great mm-hmm. sins. Yeah, right. The, the relief and the peace that he had, not only with God, but with his own soul mm-hmm. because of because of Jesus. Yeah. 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 And I think that, you know, Paul was willing to, to really just look his, his worst sins square in the face and just see what a wretch he was, you know, and 
but I don't think he could have done that without knowing Jesus loved him. You know, you can't, Mm -hmm. I can't look at the worst things I've ever done and not go into deep despair without knowing that Jesus loves me, Mm -hmm. you know? And I, the gospel just frees us up to, to be really self-aware. I was reading a book recently. Actually, we had the author in here and had a great conversation with her. But in the book, I was challenged um, to ask God, you know, she challenges all her readers to ask the Lord to show you how much he loves you. Mm. And even the idea of it was, I mean, I spend time with Jesus every day, but I don't ask that question. And so it felt a little scary. When I did, I was like, Lord, today I want to know how much you love me. Will you show me? And in my mind's eye, in immediate response to me asking that question, the Lord took my hands and put my fingers in the palms of his hands and showed me the scars in his hands. And it was like, this is this. This is how much I love you. Mm. I died on a cross for you. I, I gave up my own life so that you could live. Yeah. I mean, that's it right there. And, you know, I found myself praying this year, Jesus, help me to fall in love with you like I never had before. And Lord, let God so love the world beat in my chest like never before. And then the Lord started bringing me through a lot of stuff and showing me a lot of junk in my life. And of course, when you look at the junk in your life, then you see his grace and you love him more. And you want to love the world. And, you know, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, you want to love me more and you want to love the world more. I'm going to show you how much you really need me. And I want you to experience more of my grace so that, so that you can love me more and so that you can love the world more. Yeah. yeah, he's empowering us to be able to, I mean, honestly, Jesus saw the crowds and he he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were... They were lost, right? Yeah. And so he he gives us that compassion for other people as well through, I think, some of our own story, right? Like, hey, I really screwed up. I really don't deserve what Jesus has given me. But he did anyway. And if he did it for me, he can do it for you too. And there's, an, there's a compassion that rises up inside of us that comes from the Lord himself to be an extension of his love to the world around us. And so that they too can know who he is. Yeah. And that flows out of how much we've been forgiven and loved, even though we know the worst about ourselves. Are you a great sinner? I am. I'm in the club. Here's the great news for great sinners. The one who has been forgiven much loves much. Do you ever wake up in the morning and like, I'm talking your first thoughts, like you're laying in bed, the day's just getting started and you think, Lord, use me today. However you see fit, I'm yours. I want to be your hands today. I want to be your feet today. Give me your thoughts. Whatever matters to you, that's what matters to me too, today. I just lay down my own plans, my schedule, my to-do list for your plans. Whatever's on your to-do list today, that's what I'm going to be about. Here I am. Send me. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I get this right. Sometimes I pray it and I, and I actually mean it. And God uses me just because I've made myself available. This has happened to me three times in my life. Are you being serious? Something like that. Okay. <laughs> the first thought in the morning, 
not usually, mm. but probably about three times. Mm-hmm. So, wow. but as I've moved into the day, you know, sure. I've gotten that thought. Yeah, no, I know you're extremely intentional about your mornings and you put on the armor of God and you have a spot where you'll pray on your, you know, stop on your way in yeah. and pull over and, and pray and just ready your heart. And so, yeah. But yeah, I would love to start every day like that. Well, sometimes, like I said, sometimes I get it right. Not always. But the other day I had a friend reach out to me and she just was really struggling with anxiety and she felt like she was on the verge of an anxiety attack and just feeling like you might have an anxiety attack is anxiety inducing in and of itself. But there were just a ton of stuff on her plate and she didn't know exactly what to do. And so she called me just so she wouldn't be alone in what she was going through. And I'm not educated in this sort of thing. This is not my background. You know, I don't, I've dealt with anxiety. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. Anxiety is a part of my story and a part of my past, but I've not, you know, I'm not a therapist. Anyway, I told her I was glad that she called me. And all of a sudden, just with a great deal of confidence, I said, here's what I want you to do. And I'm not usually bossy like that. I mean, I know when I get, (laughs) when I get bossy like that, because I can think of another time in my life when this has happened where I, I kind of got bossy on someone and it was very much a, a discipleship type of conversation. And I feel like God gives me a boldness or a courage that I don't have in my normal personality. And I think that's what was happening. It was a direct answer to my prayer earlier that morning of, I want to be used by you in some way today, Lord. Well, if we're talking about the Enneagram, which we won't get into, but it's a personality thing. I know mm-hmm. that you're a nine, mm-hmm. but you have an eight wing. So that would be your eight wing when you yeah. get bossy. Yes. But I thought it was the Holy Spirit, not a wing. Okay. Not a personality thing. Yeah, yeah. I really felt like it was God giving me, yeah. like, I, here's what I felt. I felt like my friend needed simple, clear direction. And God was like, Shauna, say this. And it was just super, boom, precise. Like not a lot of words, not a lot of beating around the bush. It was just boom, do yeah. this. Got it. So here's the instructions that I gave her. I just said, I want you to write down everything that you need to do, everything that you can think of. I don't care if it's, you think it's small, you think it's insignificant, whatever. Make sure it makes it on the list, write it down. And then think about how long each of those things is going to take you to accomplish and write that next to the item that you have to do. Like, you know, whatever it is that has to be done, if it's going to take you an hour and a half to do it, write next to it 90 minutes, right? And then, Look at the list you created and put a star next to the three things that are the most important things. Oh, I love that. I love writing stars by things. Do you? <laughs> yeah, it just kind of makes me happy. So okay. I, that was that was great insight. Well, just like identify the stuff that, the big rocks, if you will, right? Identify the stuff that are that's really important and then cross off anything that is not necessary. I love that almost as much as the star (laughs) crossing stuff off. Yeah. And then once that was all done with that all in place, I was like, now I want you to take the stuff that's really important that has to happen that you know how long it's going to take. And I want you to pick it up and move it into your calendar and give it the length of time that it's actually going to take to complete it. And I could tell that as we were having this conversation, that this was working for her. I could tell she was calming down. And so I just asked her, I said, you know, when you called me, on a scale of one to five, what was your anxiety? And she goes, oh, definitely a four. And I, so I just asked, how are you feeling right now? And she goes, mm, two. It's like, mm. praise God. Mm-hmm. Praise God. And I'm telling you, this was not Shauna wisdom. Like, this is not a practice that I've used in my own life. I've never done this before. What I was telling her to do. What this occurred? was just God. 
What occurs to me, it's, uh, you know, one of the spiritual gifts that Paul lists is the, is the word of wisdom. And so God gave you the word of wisdom, a spiritual gift of knowing what she needed in that moment. The Holy Spirit gave mm-hmm. you that mm-hmm. word of wisdom for her. Yeah. I There was one time when I was in church and the Lord gave me this image. And this was real unique for me. I don't usually see it happen this way, but it was a pencil sketch, which was so interesting to me. If you've ever seen like a pencil sketch in motion, like I couldn't see the pencil, but I was actually seeing the markings and I was seeing it being drawn and, and the pencil sketch moving. Anyway, it was a big tree with a big branch coming out the side of it. And my arm was linked onto the branch and the branch was linked onto my arm. We were connected so I was deeply connected to the tree and my other hand was like extended and I was, and it was palm up and somebody came walking by and it's almost like in my soul or in my gut, like deep in me, I felt the need of this person walking by and I was like, I need to, prov- they need, they need something. I need to provide what they need. And I, you know, literally I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't do anything. I just was connected to this big tree, right? So I look back at the tree as if to say, help me. And then I looked back at my hand and on the palm of my hand, there was a kiwi is what it was, mm-hmm. this tiny little piece of fruit. And the person walking by picked it up and kept going. And I was like, oh, you know, relieved. And so you saw this being sketched first on the wall, like the tree It was being on a sketched? piece of paper, but um, the tree was already there and I was already there, but it was moving. The sketch was moving. So mm-hmm. it was like a video. You know what I mean? It wasn't like just a, a finished sketch. It was like moving. It was like a cartoon kind yeah, of way. Yeah, kind of, but, but with a pencil sketch. But then it happened again. So somebody starts walking by and I started to feel that angst inside of me again, like, ah, I got to do something for this someone. And then I look back at the tree and and I look back at the palm of my hand and there's a watermelon. And the person walking by grabs the watermelon with both hands, you know, and holds it close and starts walking away. And obviously the image here is I'm not responsible for producing what this person needs. I'm just responsible for staying connected to the tree of life, right? And just whatever it is that they need, he's going to produce through me, through you today. There is just a world full of people today around us that we're going to rub into. We're going to rub shoulders with, we're going to text, we're going to bump into on social media. We might, you know, sit down with them and have a meal. I don't know who needs a touch from heaven today. My question to you is, Are you available? Are you connected? I love, I love all the devotions that are available on our phones. And there's one that I do on my app. It's actually just a verse of the day, but they have a little video. It's on you version if you don't have that app. And it's just a short little video verse of the day with a thought about that verse. And Sadie Robertson did it the other day. And so these, some of this is, I guess it came from launched out of Sadie's thoughts, but she shared with us Isaiah 43 and it's a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare a way for the Lord, make straight in a desert, a highway for our God. Hmm. And if you look, that's old Testament, of course, but if you look in the new Testament, you'll see that John the Baptist was actually the voice Mm -hmm. of one calling in the wilderness. And he was saying, Jesus is coming. Let's get ready for him. Let's ready our hearts. Let's, let's be baptized of our, you know, a a baptism of repentance. Mm -hmm. And then John the Baptist actually had the privilege of baptizing Jesus because he did come. He did come, he got baptized. And so this is 
true happening. I think, first of all, to understand that from Isaiah, it's a prophecy. This is long, 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 long before it ever happened. But then it actually did happen and it's still happening. And what I mean by that is we get to interact with people every single day, people who need to know that Jesus is coming. I remember I was in a, I led a um, discipleship group. I think we called them life group at that time or something. But anyway. Oh, you shouldn't have called it that. That's just, <laughs> needs you a know better... how the name of your small group like changes right, and yeah. there's different fads or I've whatever. I've been in small churches. I've been in cell groups. I've been in mm-hmm. small groups. I've been yeah. in cable groups. Yep. And they're all the same thing. Think We're about it. Wanting to be like Jesus. Think about it. Looking at scripture. They're all the same thing, yeah. but they have different names. Anyway, little nuances. Little go different ahead. nuances. Anyway, yeah, I was leading a group and uh, there was three other women that came to my house at nine o'clock at night when the kids were in bed and sat around my kitchen table. We usually, they usually showed up in, the, in their jammies and um, we just talk about Jesus and talk about scripture. But my friend Danielle showed up and, you know, usually we're like, well, how was your week? How are you doing? How are the kids? Blah, blah, blah. She just didn't have any time for any of that business. She walked in, set her Bible down on the table. She sat down and she goes, I read this week that Jesus is coming back. What the heck? What is this about? <laughs> We're like, okay, let's talk about Jesus coming back. She didn't know. She hadn't yeah. heard that before. Yeah. That's awesome to hear that, that, that hunger yeah, and that just that amazement at the truth. Yeah, it is the truth. And there are just people that we encounter every single day who don't know that Jesus is coming, that he's coming back. And we get to be the forerunners like John the Baptist was, you know, for the kingdom of God, leading the people around us into the presence of Jesus. And yes, I hope you have the opportunity to, to sit with somebody and explain the gospel and they want to just step across the line of faith and you get to pray the sinner's prayer and all the things. I hope you get to do that, but you probably don't get to do that every single day. But every single day, there's opportunities to show the love of Jesus by the way that we are kind, the mm-hmm. way that we look people in the eye, you know, don't just let them serve us. Maybe they're the, you know, cashier or they're your waiter or waitress, whatever, you know, don't just see them as a means to an end, but see them mm-hmm. like, look at them, notice them, ask them about their life. So last night, uh, Teresa and I, my bride, we were at Meyer and we need to mail something. We needed to mail something. And the gal there who was taking her package and you know, getting it ready to mail, she said, oh, what did she say? She said, well, I, I used to work at the tech center and it was just such an awesome job. And I had such a, a beautiful experience there for 26 years. And, and I just said, thanks so much for serving for all mm-hmm. those years. And, you know, that was it. Mm-hmm. Just what a blessing that you were able to serve like that. Yeah. She, I could just tell that it warmed her heart. Right. And that was Jesus prompting me to do that. Yeah, because the message in there is, man, your life matters. Mm-hmm. You really do. You really matter. And I think that's a message that we can't hear too much. I know for myself, it's it's not a message I can overhear. It never gets old, never gets stale. I need to know that there's a reason for me being on planet Earth. And there are people around us every single day who, who need to know that God loves them and that their life matters. Honestly, it's our highest purpose and calling as Christ followers to love people well and to tell people about God. So you're a path setter, my friend. You are a disciple maker, fully equipped to live out this mission well. So think of one person that you know today that needs the love of God. Mm. What can you do? 
today so that they get to experience Jesus through you. When you think of your worst sins, is it sometimes like a spear through your soul? It is for me. I cringe. It has at times made me nauseous, literally. If you've ever felt that way, we're in good company. Paul, the great messenger of Jesus, never forgot his worst sins. When he thought about them, it caused him deep pain. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is listing people Jesus appeared to after the resurrection, to Peter, to the 12 apostles, to James, his half-brother. And then he says this, And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Abnormally born in the original language is an agonizing word. It's a painful word. It's a painful image. It means a stillborn child or a miscarried child or even an abortion. Last of all, he appeared to me an abortion. You can almost see the tears of pain, of regret running down Paul's face when he refers to his past. Nearly all the people Jesus appeared to were all in with Jesus. But Paul, Paul despised Jesus. He went around screaming murderous threats, violently abusing Christians. He approved of Stephen's execution. He was like the high priest who spit in Jesus' face, like the Roman soldier who flogged Jesus, mangling his flesh. Paul says, first Jesus appeared to the good guys, not the sinless guys. I know that, but to the good guys who were already following him. But last of all, he appeared to me also as to an abortion. And he goes on, for I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all the other apostles. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Paul got it. It's all grace. Mm -hmm. I once heard a British Bible teacher say that Paul's thorn in the flesh was his remorse over his past sins. Mm -hmm. I remember it was in Evangel Temple, Springfield, Missouri. I was sitting in a... It was a Sunday evening service, and I remember how that just brought a healing balm to my soul. I don't know if if that was it, you know, his remorse for the past being his thorn, but I do know that Paul's past humbled him and made him see the beauty of God's grace, God's grace like few ever have. Yeah, we were talking a few minutes ago about how we all have a story. Like every single one of us has got a story. We've got a past. We've got stuff that we wish didn't mark our life the way that it did. And Paul, I think is, is, is a hopeful story because he's saying Jesus appeared to me. I mean, it makes sense that he appeared to his disciples, right? It makes sense that he appeared to the people who had been following him and adored him. And, but I did the exact opposite of that. You know, I, I laughed in his face. I spat at him. I, persecuted people that followed him and hurt people that he loved. And, and yet Jesus appeared to me and we can all, I can relate to this one as far as just like looking at my own past and my own story and the parts that I wish weren't there and recognizing that's why Jesus came. You know, he himself said, I didn't come 
for the healthy people. Mm. I came for the people who need healing. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't come for the righteous. I came for sinners. And I'm so, so grateful for that. That he loves even me, a sinner. And honestly, all that we're talking about right here is what humbles me. Because I can so easily be arrogant in my heart. Who I am. What I've accomplished. And then Jesus reminds me, Perry, you're from Sheboygan. (laughs) No, (laughs) he he reminds me, remember where you came from. Mm -hmm. Remember the pit I pulled you out of that you couldn't get out of. Why are you being so arrogant? And when he reminds me of that, it hurts. And then I get to remember again how much grace Jesus has poured out on me. And it heals my heart even more. And it shows me his grace even more. You know, his grace is, well, somebody ought to write a song. Amazing Grace. Mm-hmm. Something like that. You I know? think that would catch. <laughs> I, think it's got some, I think it's got some traction. Yeah, it's got some potential to it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but the truth of it is that the enemy wants to bring up the stuff from our past so that we feel crappy about it so Mm -hmm. that we feel Mm -hmm. disqualified so that we wallow in what we've done or who we were and God does what God does. He takes what the enemy meant for evil and he turns it for good. And so even those parts that are hard to look at, God says, and, and look, look what I did Mm -hmm. for you. Look what, look who you are now. You are covered in the righteousness of Christ. Yeah. We can't face who we really are and what we've really done without the gospel not in a truly honest way. We can't really be self-aware because to be totally self-aware, I have to look at the worst about me in the face. And I can't do that without knowing that God loves me and that he's forgiven me. And because he loves us when we go, God, but look, look what I did. He doesn't just blow it off. He doesn't brush it off or go, no, 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 no. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. He goes, Oh yeah, I know. I know. I was there. Mm-hmm. And it's so painful. Now let me have my turn. Look what I did. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, if you're familiar with The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the tale from C.S. Lewis, Aslan is murdered for Edmund's treachery by the White Witch. But then Aslan is raised. Of course, it's pointing to Jesus. And Susan asks, what does all this mean? And Aslan says, it means that though the witch knew the deep magic, there is a magic deeper still, which she did not know. Her knowledge goes back only to the dawn of time. But if she could have looked a little further back into the stillness and the darkness before time dawned, she would have read there a different incantation. She would have known that when a willing victim who had committed no treachery was killed in a traitor's stead, the table would crack and death itself would start working backward. This is the gospel, of course. C.S. Lewis putting it in a way that I don't think we'll ever forget. Right. Oh my goodness, he is such a gifted, he's so gifted at being able to tell story and while he's telling a story about a lion and a and a child and you know 
we're there. We're mm-hmm. in the story experiencing I'm the one who should be on that table, mm-hmm. you know, and Jesus took my place. Yeah. The deeper magic. I love that. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it just, it makes me think that we can, we can trivialize Jesus, you know, Jesus come into my heart and forgive my sins and I'm on my way. But this thing is, is so much bigger. This thing is everything. Mm Mm-hmm. Jesus didn't just come to forgive us and come into our lives. He came to turn everything around. He came to throw the Hail Mary pass and Mm -hmm. win the game at the end, you know, to defeat death, to conquer death, to cause death to be something we never even remember. And that's, that's what it's going to be someday. We won't even remember except for one thing, which I'll share in a little bit, but Someday we won't even remember death. That's why Jesus came and the hugeness of it. Lord, open the eyes of my heart, you know, really, because I I don't see the hugeness of it all the time. And I probably haven't even seen, I need to see it in a way I've never seen it before. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus came to win the day, to bring justice, to set everything right. And he's... In his resurrected body, we see the new creation and he's already setting things right. Even in this ugly world, he's in the, the work. He's at work setting everything right. He's setting things right in me. You know, there, there are things wrong in me. And he's, he's just, he's, he's, he's whipping up a, a recipe to, to make me like him. Mm-hmm. And as we daily just keep our eyes focused on him, you know, the, the death working backwards, it's not just about death, you know, when we take our final breath, but it's also, there are things that we do. There are choices that we make that are not good for us that lead to our death. And the way of Jesus is a way that leads to life, even in this life. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Even now, even today, when I just go my own way and do my own thing, it leads to destruction and harm. But when I surrender my way, and I'm willing to live the way of Jesus, it brings life to me personally. It brings life to my relationships. I mean, really, it truly is the way to experience life even now, not just eternal life, but now. Right, and that's an example of how through Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection, how death is already working itself backwards. You're describing the process of death working itself backwards in your life and in my life it's that we get to we get to put to death the selfishness the pride the ambition the vain conceit we get to put that to death now through the power of the holy spirit i even think about the scripture that says you know even though i'm wasting away outwardly yet inwardly i'm being made new every single day i came across this image of this tree that was dying and, you know, like rotted and kind of falling apart and the wood was all dry. And there's this fresh Mm -hmm. branch coming up from the center, the beginning, Mm -hmm. you know, just like spring green, little bitty leaves budding on this tree. And that's what's happening inside of us. Yeah. Yeah. Creation is preaching this message as well, because that kind of thing happens. You see, life coming up out of dead things Mm -hmm. in creation 
and creation is groaning, waiting for the redemption of it all. Man, that should get us excited. And, you know, so 10,000 years from now, you know, we won't even remember that there was death except for one thing. Jesus will be there and he will still have those scars on his hands and we'll remember, oh, that's what did it. Thanks so much for listening. Questions or comments, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930. 